Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Welcome to tonight's stream. We're going to be talking about very important things. Very important things. But first, a quick announcement. I don't want to get too deep into this, but I just want to say that if you did not catch the Steve Zing stream from, was it last week or the week before that? I don't even remember. Uh, We have a sponsor, our very first sponsor. That's right, riotstickers.com. Josh Grove, the mastermind at riotstickers.com and myself have partnered up. And we are running a promotion. There's going to be a promo code. It's from us, like the channel, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. More on that. Oh, you'll hear plenty about that. I'm not going to get totally into it. Promotion starts December 1st is when the sponsorship starts. So just keep that keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, especially if you're in the need for stickers and sticker-like accessories. Thank you, Rue Morg. Rue Morg's in the house. Rue, I don't know if you watched the uh, Lodi video, but your your footage was utilized. Thank you for for lending it to me. I appreciate it. No one, <laughs> if you if you're not on the Patreon, you will not see said footage. It shall remain hidden. Haha. <laughs> Tonight we're talking about curb enthusiasm. I love curb enthusiasm. It is. One of my favorite shows. I don't know if I have truly have favorite shows when it comes to TV. Curb Enthusiasm is definitely up there, you know. And, you know, Curb Enthusiasm also sort of fulfills a need, you know, when it comes to having some sort of pride for my identity. So I'm going to talk about a, a facet of my life that I don't, that you hear me talk about all the time, but never really on such a personal level. So I'm going to sort of weave in and out of that a little bit as well. He is, he is Rue. I'm so glad you agree. (laughs) Rue said that Larry David is a God. For those of you who will be listening to this via podcast, that's right. We have all of our, all of our streams are on pod, on podcast form. You can listen on Spotify, Apple, Apple, whatever you want, Google, all the stuff. So, I am a Jew, as I say here often on this channel. I talk about being a Jew all the time, but that's about the extent of it. I don't really go into things beyond that. And I, here's the thing, you know, I have a very sort of complicated relationship with being a Jew and Judaism as a whole. It's a weird sort of thing for us Jews. You see, yes, Judaism is a religion, but it's so much more than that. There's the religious side of being a Jew, but there's also like, there's also, there's, there is a, a, a ethnic racial 
identity for being a Jew as well. I mean, we know all about what happened in World War II. Need I say more, right? Basically, being a Jew, here's the thing. We're, we're a people of dysphoria. I don't know if I said that word right. What does that mean, basically? It means that we have, we have no home or we didn't have a home for a very long time. And so we took all of our culture and beliefs and just all of our things and we, we traveled with them wherever we went, you know, and Jews, you know, for such a tiny mini school pop population, even more so after World War II, sort of set up shop all over the, the world, right? I mean, you could find Jews, even if it's a small amount of Jews, you could find them everywhere. You know how many Jews there are in the world? There's only 14 million of us in a world of 7 billion. That's we're 0.02% in the entire world, a very, very small amount of Jews, you know, and, you know, there's other stuff, too, that kind of plays into that, because on one hand, you know, you can be white and you, you can be anything and be a Jew. But at the same time, being a Jew in and of itself is to be in a minority. But yet at the same time, you can also, you know, if you're white, you can pass for being white, too. So there's like that whole whole angle. In America, not, I, I can't speak for all Jews in America, but for a lot of Jews in America, especially the Jews that, we've been use this word a lot, secular and non-secular. Secular means not religious and non-secular means religious. It's like a inverse thing, I'm pretty sure. Let me just make sure I have that right. I'm almost positive that is the case here. Let's see here, secular definition. I'm, I know I'm right about this. Secular, denoting, uh, yeah, right, 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 right. I'm right. So you have secular and non-secular. And I would say that a lot you will find, especially in places like America, I mean, elsewhere in the world, but really in America, there's this sort of notion of the disappearing Jew. And when they say that, they're, they're, what they mean by that is that like Jews are slowly assimilating into you know, or being absorbed by the area of where they live and operate and whatnot. This notion that secularism is slowly taking away the Jewishness from being a Jew, you know, or the idea, the notion, again, that Judaism is just a religion and nothing more. And therefore, if you're secular, you are a disappearing Jew. And this is the crux of this whole discussion uh, that I'm bringing to you tonight in that Larry David, the Moses of my people. <laughs> That's how I really feel about him. I really do. Um, is it is the perfect demonstration of a secular Jew that is so Jewy. He's such a Jew. This thing is going to get so deep. This thing's going to get flagged. I just have such a feeling. He is, he's a Jew man like so through and through and yet he's not religious at all and and that's the funny thing that's the irony about being a secular jew most of the time we we run away from being jewish that's what we do we're we're ashamed of our judaism or you know we're made to feel ashamed for being jewish i grew up in a i grew up in a very jewish town but I encountered all sorts of anti-Semitism in my life. Wherever I would go, you know, my father, he always said to me, never forget that you are Jewish because no one else will. 
No one else is going to forget you're Jewish. And he was right about that. Wherever I go, and this is absolutely the truth. And, you know, I got eventually got to a place where I decided I wasn't going to try and hide that I was Jewish because that's what I used to do. I used to really downplay the fact that I was a Jew or not tell people I was a Jew at all or just try and just not just try and pass for being identifying more as being a white person than being a Jewish person, if that makes any sense. And then, you know, something changed inside of me, the whole bunch of stuff uh, changed inside of me. And I sort of, you know, did a complete 180. And now in every other stream, you'll hear me. Not, I won't shut the hell up about being. All I do is talk about being Jew, 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 this, Jew, that, Jew, that. I'm a Jew. Blah, blah, blah. Because I'm proud of being a Jew now. I didn't used to be. And he, my, my dad was right. You know, wherever I would go, if I brought up the fact that I was Jewish or if the, the notion that I was a Jew came out. And believe me, I promise this is all going to make sense for what we're going to talk about with Larry David. I'm just I'm, 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 I'm setting us up here. I'm setting us up. This is the preamble for, for what we're going to discuss. My father, he always said, you know, as I said, no one's ever going to forget. No one's ever going to forget. No one's ever going to forget that you're a Jew. And he was so right. It would come out that I was a Jew. And then it would come up in conversation, all the little ways. You know, it's funny when. You know, in the last two years, I'm going to talk about, listen, if you're not into about to get, I don't know, political or whatever you want to call it, but just what what the, the, the events, the current events that have been happening over the last four years, let's say, like recently, a lot of, you know, racial stuff has been bubbling to the surface. And you hear you hear about people who are not white talking about what their experiences are in America and other places, you know, I, I it's black people too, especially black people, you know, talking about what it is to be black in America. What is the black American experience and how it differs and how, you know, like, you know, I'm judged or, you know, people, you know, women clutch their purses or you know, just all the, all that stuff, all of that stuff that people deal with that say people who are not black don't understand to a lesser extent Jews, experience a little bit of that too but it doesn't come it doesn't come in the in the in the in the through the prism of profiling because that's what you know that is a, a huge part of that stuff that black experience stuff that you know you hear black people talk about um for us it's more about prejudice it's more about stereotypes well there's it's all about stereotypes and again larry so masterfully tackles all of this subject matter in such a wonderful way really um i feel like this is one of the the, the hottest uh sort of uh topics i don't know not hot but you know what i mean like just it's a delicate topic it's a very delicate topic i'm trying to navigate and negotiate in the best way possible it's not it is not easy it is not easy i'm trying i'm really trying but to an ele to a different extent it's not the same you can't compare the two i can't you know say that the jewish experience is like the black black experience because it's not and as i said you know it, it's different but what is the same is that you know you only another jew is going to understand what you're talking about when you talk about something and it's the same thing with black people right like 
only a, a black person, another black person is going to understand a black person's experience and be like, yeah, I get that shit. And I know that being in a room, being at a party, being wherever, living in the Midwest, I lived in the Midwest for a while, I lived in Chicago, and finding the only other Jew in the room, even though I don't know this person, there's a there's like a connection. There's like a there's like this little like nod. It's like a sort of like a like an understanding of like you're a Jew and I'm a Jew and I know where the Jews are in the room. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I think that's heightened even more. Or I would imagine I, I, I will not speak for anybody who is black, but I will would imagine that that is even I feel like I've definitely heard black people talk about that you know, about like just this sort of that sort of that same sort of notion. So that's what I'm sort of talking about. So there's like this identity. There's like this there's like this notion of being a Jew, whether it's you. That's like your religious belief structure. And that's what you actually believe in. And you believe in the Jewish God and all of the the rules of Judaism, because that's the thing about the Jewish religion. Jewish culture in general has a lot of sort of rules, but Jewish religion uh, is just packed. I mean, all rule, all religions are packed with rules. Like that's what it is. You know, there are these spiritual concepts. If we're talking about religion in a very general way, you have these very spiritual concepts, and then men take those spiritual concepts and they sort of make all these friggin' rules around them. And I'll tell you something: Jews, we're really good at this. We love rules. Not just rules, just like, oh, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. Oh, and you can't do this. So you got to do this, blah, 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 blah. And it can become dizzying at times, you know, but we're but it's like it's like there's like there's like all this sort of baggage. There's all this baggage with sort of being a Jew. Uh, Rue Morg says next to Larry David, Mel Brooks, Joey Ramone, you're my favorite Jew. I'm sure there's more of it. You're on. Ah. Rue, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Rue, friends of the Jews. I appreciate that, Rue. Truly. But um, you know, what I'm what I'm trying to say here is that like, you know, a lot of Jews, secular Jews, we sort of just we we have these sort of like not self-hating, but like you know, just sort of like, it's like we're ashamed of our background. We don't want anybody to know we're Jewish. And we, you know, I really should just say I shouldn't speak for everybody who, you know, is secular. But, you know, it's just like, it's a very personal thing. It's very subjective. And you can't say, you can't speak in we statements. You have to speak, I have to speak in an I statement. In any case, I, you know, I've experienced, I've experienced various different levels of anti-Semitism in my life. And, you know, I've, I mean, I've experienced all sorts. I've, I've been in crazy situations. I wasn't, you know, I was touring. I tour, I've talked about this story on my channel. It applies here. I was touring with a band called Blitzkid and we ended up for whatever reason. I don't know how we wound up here. We ended up stay, staying at a, at a, essentially what was a N-A-Z-I uh, motorcycle clubs compound they had confederate flags it was it was really something else uh, in their clubhouse and i found myself in a situation where it was a good thing that i was white because i could pass for not being jewish at least in this particular situation there was a joke made good thing you're italian from a i was called from a that was the name 
you know that would that's go find that story it's somewhere on the channel it's a crazy story i'm not going to tell it right now i've just i've been in i've been in situations and you know for you know it's being in these sort of situations can make one sort of try and strip themselves of that identity that causes them to be a target you know depending on where you are identifying as a jew can paint a target on your back you know in the same way that putting a menorah in your front bay window you know i would have arguments with my wife she wants to put a menorah for hanukkah in the front of her window and i said don't do that you know you shouldn't we shouldn't do that or about our son wearing a yarmulke my son is way more religious than i am if you can even call him religious and he goes to a Jewish school and puts a yarmulke on his head. And it worries me that he wears a yarmulke on his head because he's it's like painting a target. Knock on wood, my Lord. It's like painting a target on yourself. So to be able to have the luxury and the privilege, we hear this, the P word privilege get thrown around a lot and we roll our eyes at it because it's like a little woke privilege, but it's like, it's a legitimate thing. It's like, Oh, this is like a luxury where I can sort of flip the switch depending on where I am and how I carry myself. And depending on the situation, I could maybe, you know, a pass for a, a loud, a loud Italian fellow instead of a loud Jewish fellow from New York. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And so, um, but here's why I love Larry David so much. And here's, let me try and bring the Larry Davidness into it. Cause this was supposed to be about Larry David. It's not about me. Consider this the intro, you know, Larry David is the quintessential secular Jew. That's he's like the, he's like the, the, the most prominent secular Jew of all of us, you know, here is a man and this is the paradox here is here's the here's the crazy part larry david is the the most he's the most jewish person in the world and he's the most not religious person in the world how can you be not a religious jew and be a jew all at the same time because being jewish is more than just being religious as i said about the various different you know facets faucets facets of everything you can still be a Jew without being religious. L Larry David, he is a New York Ashkenazi bagel and schmear gefilte fish Jew. You know what I mean? And there, he makes me proud to be what I identify as the same, you know? Um, because I, I got to a point where like, you know, it, it's almost like we, we hate ourselves, you know, we hate ourselves for being other, for not being, you know, there's there's definitely like the stigma of there's the stigma of being the, the Jewish boy and or being the Jewish person. And then everybody else is Christian and doing Christmas, you know, and you're the only one who's on the outside. By the way, I love Christmas, by the way, I always talk about that. A Christmas Jew we love we have our own traditions I mean that's what I'm talking about like even Jews have traditions there's the American Jewish tradition we get Chinese food and we go see a movie on Christmas that is our tradition you know and we can only do that because it's predicated on the Christian notion of Christmas which 
you know, again, Christmas to me, I don't look at it as Christ's birthday. For me, it's just a wonderful American pastime, uh, you know, with wonderful decorations. And I love the feelings behind Christmas. You know what I mean? And so it's like I can embrace that as a Jew, as a non-religious Jew as well. What's up, Jeremy? Welcome to the chat. Um, so I'm watching the new season of Curb. Here we go. Here's the meat. Here's where the Larry David really comes into everything. Um, and we're gonna, we'll be able to tie it back. I'm watching the new season of Curb. I've been just sort of blasting through the episodes, just having a good time. And the thing is, you know, that's, a, that's the beauty of a guy like Larry David. He just, he, he, he has the freedom to do whatever he wants. He's reached the zenith of TV. He's a lot like Quentin Tarantino in the sense that Quentin Tarantino goes, I want to do a new movie. They go, okay, here's a blank check. Make whatever you want. Like sight unseen. We're, you're Quentin Tarantino. And the thing that's selling your movie is Quentin Tarantino. It's not the stars that you necessarily have. Cause people are going to go see a Quentin Tarantino film, whether Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are in it or not. The film is going to get funded, whether it's Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt or not. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. And so, um, and so Larry David has, it has that for TV and he has this luxury that for the last 21 years, he can just go, all right, I'm ready to do another season of Curb Enthusiasm. I'm ready to do another season of Curb Enthusiasm. And that's what he does. You know, he sort of goes in and he does his Curb thing and it's great. And, you know, sometimes the, it, it becomes repetitive, you know, uh, Curb becomes repetitive. It's just sort of like oh okay same old same old thing going through the motions i mean he probably we're now in season 11 two more seasons past seinfeld um with not as many episodes mind you seinfeld had way more episodes i think it was i think it's like they do 10 episodes a season for curb and seinfeld each one of those seasons is 22 episodes so there's way more even now there's way more seinfeld episodes than there are curb enthusiasm episodes but you know it's just Kerber enthusiasm. It's just pitch perfect Jewish comedy. And here's the thing about Larry David. Larry David is a man of principles and, you know, he always sort of gets himself into these situations. And in the newest season the you know, it's kind of like one of those overarching things that they did back in season seven where they were bringing Seinfeld back. I mean, that's, that's how much like when I was talking about, you know, I said uh, uh, snake eating the tail, right? The, the snake is sort of, uh, it, you know, we're getting to the point where like Larry's starting to be quite redundant, but he had a banger on season 11. Episode four was a banger of an episode, man. Like just, just unreal that really sort of solidified the irony of what I'm talking about, about how we as Jews, secular Jews, try to run away from being Jewish and wind up ironically still being Jewish and maybe in fact being even more Jewish than we intended to be because no matter how much you want to run away from who you are, you still are who you are. And so you might as well learn to accept that those fundamental facts. Now, is this true for every single, what just happened? Something that was weird. I think maybe I spit on the camera. I don't know. Um, is that true fundamentally for every single sort of situation where, Oh, you know, you know, environment versus what is it? Environment, nature versus environment. 
I mean, I think it's, again, very subjective. We're talking about being Jewish. We're not talking about, we can't apply what I'm saying to every single thing that's ridiculous. I mean, I think it's very subjective. I'm not going to even try and come up with a controversial example because that will just get me into trouble. I'm just saying that it's very subjective and people feel very passionately and differently. And, you know, that's what, isn't that what the new, the new revolution is about right now? Like, like labels, like everybody is very concerned with, with the labels that they go by and identify by. And if you don't, you know, um, they want to be validated and accepted and venerated for the labels that they encompass, whether they're genuine, whether they're not genuine, whatever the case may be. And I feel like just being a good human being is just recognizing that people want to be labeled a certain way and that just to honor and respect what they want. And, you know, because that's what it is to be. I think my son just fell out of bed Um, (laughs) because that's, that's what it is to be human, you know? I don't know. That's what it is to be, like, a good human. Like, like not denying someone who they are or who they are not. You know what I mean? And um, so, to, I'm sorry. I'm, like, going off in all these sort of different uh, uh, tangents here. I'm trying to stay on the beam, Jeff. Jeff, stay on the beam. We're 24 minutes into this. And we haven't even gotten to the curve episode. Um. The point is that Larry David in this latest episode demonstrates exactly. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, Larry David demonstrates in this latest episode how no matter how unreligious he is and how, you know, he tries so hard not to go to high holy day services in the Jewish religion. For those of you who don't know, we have certain there's different levels of being secular and non-secular Jew. You know, we have Reform Judaism, we have Conservative Judaism, and we have Orthodox Judaism. You've seen some of those Orthodox guys where they're in like the black hats, the black, they're dressed in black, look like penguins and whatnot. Those are like the strictest of the strictest and also, in my personal opinion, the most ridiculous, but that's my own personal opinion about my own people, so I'm allowed to have that opinion. Um, but they follow they have the most rules. And then, you know, like I said, reform, reform is the most progressive, most relaxed, you know, sort of, sort of Judaism. And then, you know, with that comes this sort of notion of like, what do you do religiously to be Jewish? You know, cause I just talked about how, you know, you can be very Jewish without doing any religious stuff. Well, how, and Larry demonstrates that for us, I think really well in this sort of this episode, frankly um but in terms of but on the religious side of things and that sets up this episode is that you have some jews who don't do anything like they literally just do nothing and they just but yet they still identify as jewish here's the thing about being jewish if you're circumcised which means that your schmeckle was cut and if you had a bar mitzvah even if you're schmeckle just if your schmeckle was cut then which is known as the um the thing the bris the the covenant with the that makes you so jewish if you know, uh, if you have a Jewish parent, that makes you Jewish, particularly uh, depending on the level of Judaism. There are some Jews that only believe if your mother is Jewish, that you are truly Jewish, but that Judaism is passed down through the mother's lineage. That goes back all the way to, you know, Jews were slaves a lot throughout history and a great way to sort of track, keep track 
as to whether you were of Jewish blood or descent was if your mother was Jewish. Why? Because what do you think happened to Jewish women? The ones that were enslaved, right? You following me? Um, so even if the father was not Jewish, you know, put two and two together there, um, that the baby born, because the baby is born of the mother, that the baby is still Jewish. There's that whole sort of notion, which I personally don't subscribe to. I think if you have a Jewish parent, then you are Jewish. That's it. It doesn't, it's not nonsense malarkey um, that maybe had a practical application back thousands of years ago, but not today. We don't have to, we don't, that's ridiculous. Um, but there are some Jews that still, even though that they're not religious, they'll still go to high holy days. Like you've heard of the term Rosh Hashanah. You've heard of Yom Kippur. These are really, 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 uh, important holy holidays in the Jewish calendar and the Jewish religion. There's lesser ones. There's Shavuot. You know, that's where we build the sukkah. There's Hanukkah. Hanukkah gets a big, is, is a big deal in... <laughs> Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem, Amy. Ani medaber kitzat ivri. Ivrit, sorry. Kitzat kitzat ivrit. I just said I speak very, very little Hebrew. Um, you have, but, but even the non-religious Jews, they'll still go to high holy days. They'll still go to um, they'll still go to Yom Kippur. They'll still go to Rosh Hashanah. Um, then you have you have Tu B'Shvat. That's another holiday. Hanukkah gets a big deal. Is is turned into this really really big holiday. It's actually kind of a minor holiday. It's not that big of a deal. The reason why it gets turned into such a big deal is because in America it lines up right when Christmas is happening, and for all the little Christian boys and girls, they get presents from Santa Claus. Sandy Claus. <laughs> And all the little Jewish boys and girls go, why did I get any presents? You know, you're not supposed to give presents on, on Hanukkah. You know, that, that all got sort of, you know, retcon because of, so isn't that interesting how it's like that gets absorbed because that, that tradition gets absorbed by American culture and therefore gets altered you know, in, in a different way and becomes this, this way more important, at least cult, culturally from like a cultural identity. You know what I mean? Maybe not, maybe not um, religious, but like culturally it's super, that's a super important one. And so, you know, someone like Larry, who's like, I don't go, I'm not going to go to, <laughs> I'm not going to go to high holy days. I don't go to Yom Kippur. I'm not going to go to Yom Kippur. I'm not going to go to Rosh Hashanah. He gets dragged and he goes anyway. There's some Jews that do that. There's some Jews that they only go to temple twice a year and that's it. Nothing more. Um, so let's, let's pop this open. So this is the episode. The episode is called the watermelon and a lot of stuff happens in this episode. And it's just, the writing is brilliant. Let's let's find it right now here. We're going to use the wrap because it I mean, and that, you know, that's the other thing, too, that's so beautiful about, you know, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Like what makes Jewish comedy? What makes what makes comedy Jewish, you know, or what makes a Jewish comedy comedy or like what's the how does a how does comedy get a Jewish identity in Jewish comedy? I can't explain it. 
Um, <laughs> Larry goes to Temple and befriends uh, a Klansman. Uh, this week's Curb Your Enthusiasm took a slight break from Larry's search to cast his new TV show to pair Larry with a uh, member of the you-know-who party. The, of the, the oh God, how do you talk about this stuff? I don't know if you can see this. That, that, that organization that hates other people. We'll call them uh, K-Man. K-Man. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying when I say K-Man? He, uh, it pairs Larry with a K-Man and Woody Harrelson. The fourth episode of season 11 opens with Larry and Jeff watching an Oscar acceptance speech from Woody Harrelson in which he advocates for interspecies equality and decries the process used to extract milk from cows using machines. Note, no, Harrelson has not yet won an Oscar despite being nominated three times. Larry and Jeff scoff at Harrelson's self-important speech, which is kind of, I felt like it was really poking fun at Joaquin Phoenix had a very similar speech. Um, and Larry offered a preview of how he'd accept an Oscar saying, I'd like to thank the Academy. Don't allow babies on planes. Good night. Larry and Jeff uh, were watching the video because Harrelson is now in the run to play Uncle Mo in the young Larry show. So Larry, that's the overall arc for the show is for, for this season 11. Larry is trying to cast a show that was at Netflix and now it's at Hulu. And it's a whole thing in and of itself. Uh, it's a show that's in development in Hulu, paving the way for uh, a guest star appearance from Harrelson later in the episode. In Jeff and Susie's living room, Susie is showing off a banner she embroidered. I mean, everything, you know, a perfect Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, just, like really every scene folds into the next scene and everything ends up being a Chekhov's gun. What is a Chekhov's gun? It means that when something is introduced, this pen, when this pen is introduced in the first act, you better believe that it's going to be referenced and be important in act four or act three. Uh, TV shows have a sixth act structure. I'm not sure if Curb Your Enthusiasm follows the six act structure because it's a comedy show. Not only is it a comedy show, and typically comedy shows are 25 to 30 minutes long and a you know, premium prestige TV format, but Kirby enthusiasm because it's Larry David and because it's HBO and because we said how he was at the top, he's at the top of the barrel. These, the, he's the, the big cheese. He's now, these episodes have been getting longer and longer. That's not to say that you can't have a comedy. That's 59 minutes. Look at shameless. It is possible, but that's like dr dramatic comedy. This is comedy comedy you know and it's an improv show in of that and brilliant improv at that um so anytime that something is introduced it's going to come up later and in this case Susie is showing off a banner she embroidered for the temple football team and wants to introduce larry to their hip rabbi who she says is a big golfer because larry plays golf and she's doing a banner of something that's known as the tree of life. This is an important Jewish kind of thing. So she suggests that Jeff take the rabbi golfing with them, with him, to which Jeff reluctantly agrees, but then immediately ropes Larry into the game. Because, of course, those guys can't do anything, you know, without each other. And it's expressed, uh, you know, that's a four hour favor, says Larry. And five of you include lunch. Larry makes a big point that he's doing Susie a favor, which to which she agrees. She owes him one, which is not good. It's not good to owe. In the world of Kirby enthusiasm, it is not good to owe someone a favor. If you owe someone a favor, 
you are setting yourself up for some kind of trouble. On the golf course, Larry loses a bet with the rabbi. The rabbi is, you know, as you said, it's supposed to be like a hip rabbi. And he's, you know, I was expecting like kind of like a young rabbi. And that's totally a thing in rabbidom. Like you've, I used to work for a rabbi, by the way, who is not hip at all. But that's another whole other story. Um, that's the thing about rabbis. Like there is that sort of like, it's just like the same with, you know, Christian, whatever, preachers or fathers or deacons or whatever flavor of holy man you have in in, in Christianity. You have these 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 guys and girls who just want to be hip and with it and sort of connect with people on like a real kind of level. So I was expecting a young rabbi in, in this golf game. It wasn't, he was, he was an older gentleman, but he's really charming kind of rabbi character. And he makes a bet with, with Larry and, you know, um, you know, and, and, you know, it says here that he's not getting along with the rabbi, but he, I felt like he was. And so the, the, the bet was if, 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 the rabbi sinks a hole in one. Larry's got to, you know, uh, go to temple for high holy days, something that Larry doesn't do. And here now we're going to cut back to what I was talking about before. And this is the irony that I've noticed about Judaism in my life. Despite not being a religious Jew, I am not a religious Jew. And no matter how far away I walk from the notion of a Jewish identity, I am always sort of in awe of how much of a Jewish identity I still have. It's something that I cannot escape from. And I feel like I, I really sense that in Larry in this episode where he ironically is being a good Jew by attending High Holy Days because of this situation. He's reluctant. He's reluctant in every which way. You know, maybe somebody else might want to voluntarily play golf with a rabbi and now you know uh and sort of do do that sort of deed or as we call them mitzvahs a mitzvah is a good deed you've heard the term bar mitzvah bar mitzvah is the you know it's when you become a man or a woman long story bat mitzvah in any case larry begrudgingly does these things and finds himself so, sort of gravitating towards this judaism but here's the thing it's by doing these things that he doesn't want to do that are going to end up saving his bacon later on in the episode. And that's why it was just such a brilliant, it was just such a brilliant masterstroke where in fact, his Judaism is the very thing that saves him. You know what I mean? I just, I just find it, I just find it really interesting. And maybe, maybe to you, whoever watches this in the future, that this is just a big fat nothing burger but if you're Jewish, you I think you will understand what I'm talking about, you know, on, on some level. It's the same thing uh, as what we were talking about, about the Jew, you know, uh, the Jewish experience or whatever. So he loses a bet with the rabbi. He has to go to temple. Um, he he goes to so he goes to the temple. I don't know if I should jump around here. He go he goes to the temple and he ends up talking to the rabbi afterwards. The rabbi bestows him with this sheep's horn and a sheep's horn, we call it a shofar. You might've seen it. it's a funny looking horn that people blow into like a trumpet goes like that. And you blow it on the high holy days. It's like a very holy thing to kind of do. And the rabbi gives him this shofar as a gift. And it's just really funny. And of course, obviously, okay, shofar, you're putting it right in our face. It's quite obviously the Chekhov's gun in the situation. We're definitely going to, come back to the shofar at some point um at the same time larry returns home and this is where 
this is where some some of the black stuff kind of comes in not black stuff per se but like just this notion of stereotype so larry comes home and he finds leon played by jb smooth leon black that's larry's it's leon black or leon brown i forget one something like that is is larry's roommate um going back he's man he's been on the show for half the seasons now he's so funny great great comedian and he's acting super sketchy and larry's trying to figure out what's going on and larry discovers that leon was trying to eat watermelon on the low and the reason being is that he he explains that you know um he's embarrassed to eat watermelon in front of white people and he speaks in very general terms that not just him but just that you know and again i i cannot comment on this i don't know the reality or the truth i would have to ask someone who was black but he he says in the show to some i'm paraphrasing here he says something along the lines of you know just that um that he's embarrassed to eat watermelon in front of white people because of the stereotype and he loves watermelon but he has to like sort of hide the fact that he loves watermelon because there's a stereotype and how you know um and and also something about like black people are ashamed or or like embarrassed or something about seeing other black people eating watermelon too it's a big thing but when you think about it 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 makes it kind of makes sense or i could understand how that could be real if it's based in any kind of reality the, this notion of like this incredibly what's considered to be an incredibly you know sort of um uh, nasty stereotype but here's the thing and it's the same thing with jews at which i'm going to get to and they do this whole thing where and this is the other part of it too is that all stereotypes all stereotypes are rooted in something that was a common a common uh sort of observation and what happens is or, or like something like some sort of observation that is based in some sort of reality that gets twisted and gnarled and turned into this really sort of ugly you know thing that is mired in in falsities and fiction you know what i mean so maybe there's like a tiny little kernel of, of something or other and in the satire of the show that we're we're talking about right now leon's you know leon talks about you know i love i love watermelon i love it's my favorite fruit but i can't eat it because of all this stuff and i just man i i, I understand that like i really sort of understood the comedy the, the 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 situational comedy of that and and acting strange and sort of and larry puts him at ease and says hey i love watermelon too let's let's go to the supermarket we're gonna get some watermelon together and, and eat it together um then woody harrelson comes over he wants to talk about larry's show there's this whole thing about you know uh cream and coffee and larry gets caught up in a lie saying that he owns a cow that's basically the, the long and the short of it he owns a cow and woody harrelson wants to meet the cow and the cow's name is jesse um and so now he's got to figure out before saturday how to introduce woody harrelson to a a, a cow named jesse i mean absolutely ridiculous then larry goes to the optometrist named heidi and she's Freddie Funkhauser's girlfriend. Freddie Funkhauser, you know, uh, Marty Funkhauser, which is played by Super Dave, Alex, uh, Albert, Albert uh, Brooks's brother, 
um, who, who passed away is was is sort of like this is like a nod to his character. Um, Vince Vaughn plays his nephew, and he's really great. Vince Vaughn is really great on on the show, and sort of uh, he's dating this optometrist who is seeing um, he is, is seeing Larry for his eye eyesight is for his vision. And there's this whole thing. It's kind of interesting how he's in the optometrist office, but it turns into like sort of like a like a psychiatrist visit. You know what I mean? Sort of like um, he's talking about he's talking about how he's always second guessing his decisions, you know, and this is when Larry, this is important now. Larry notices that, you know, um, when Heidi walks out of the office, she's opening up a snack called Pirate Booty. For those of you who are not familiar, it's like kind of like a like a like a corn crisp snack with cheese dusted on it or something. I don't know. And um kind of like uh like a cheese doodle cheesy puff poof cheesy poof if you will sorry for the uh laundry machine my my wife has a habit of turning on the machine right before i'm going to broadcast she loves to do it i don't know why but she does it in any case she drops some of this pirate booty on the ground and larry notices that she doesn't pick it up and larry is super offended by this you know um He's appalled by the notion that she sees the pirate booty and refuses to pick it up. When he's at High Holy Days with Vince Vaughn's character, Funkhauser, um, he uh, he makes mention and uh, about the pirate booty. And, you know, Funkhauser, Vince Vaughn is shocked too, and Susie Essman, they're all shocked, and they're, this is whole back and forth. And what it comes down to is this, and this is like a thing that goes all the way back to Seinfeld. It's this notion of rules and morals you know what i mean about etiquette there's all these these sort of terms like for instance you have the notion of the middle which in the previous episode when you're having a dinner party that whoever is sitting in the middle of the table is going to be the most um you know it's kind of like the pivot point guard of the whole situation you need them to be really good at conversation or else your dinner conversation is going to be boring all these sort of mechanics social mechanics you know what i mean social morality mechanics that larry david he you know he he, he's just a very principled guy that sort of lives by these these codes of conduct and all while all at the same time also being you know uh just incredibly glib and just all sorts of ridiculous in in a variety of different settings in any case, his eyes are dilated from being at the optometrist. He sees the pirate booty. He, he, he goes to order a cup of coffee, and he ends up spilling his coffee all over the white robe of one of these K-men, if you could imagine, who's there for a rally of sorts, if you know what I mean. And um, he goes, uh, he spills coffee all over the robe. Larry suggests that the man wear a sheet instead, but he bristles at the suggestion. So Larry, a man who believes in a code of conduct, offers to have the man's robe cleaned and gives him his phone number to get the robe back. You have my word. You will have this robe for your hate rallies in Santa Fe and Tucson. I mean, it's absolutely 
ridiculous. Larry literally promises this to a actual racist. You know what I mean? Uh, and then he takes the robe to be cleaned at the dry cleaners run by a Jewish man who, of course, is he's deeply offended. Larry tries to explain it's not his robe, but it's his responsibility to clean it because he made the man spill the coffee on the robe. The cleaner tr uh, tries to refuse, but Larry suggests that they turn the other cheek lest they be just as hateful as these hate groups. Reluctantly, the cleaner agrees to clean the robe, which I thought was also just like super profound. So let me jump over now. We're, we're, we're reading from the rap here. I'm going to jump over to... Let me see if I can pull this up here. This is... So this is what... This is what was said by the AV Club, by Danette Chavez. Sorry if I butchered your name. Um, perhaps tolerance isn't the right word. Larry's treating the K-man Joe the way he would treat anyone whose clothes he accidentally spilled coffee on, even if those clothes are a centuries-old symbol of white you-know-what, uh, uh, of white hate, and, and still... Uh, worn while stoking hatred, in this case at a nearby rally. I'm sure it helps that Joe wasn't ranting or attacking anyone at the, at the moment that they met. Larry is the kind of person who judges others by how they treat him, not people in general. And that's what I find interesting about Larry. It, even though he doesn't, even though he's walked away from Judaism, he sort of embodies these values that run sort of parallel to stuff you will find in Judaism in that kind of way and then pushes the envelope with this Jewish comedy to to this this level of satire where you know he's essentially saying that even this guy even this guy I I, I stained his robe and I have to have it ready for him like being more concerned for <laughs> being more concerned about um you know, the, the principle than the particular situation in and of itself, I think is pretty amazing. Um, Larry is the kind of person who judges others by how they treat him, not people in general. And while the, the, the K-man seemed aggressive to me, the fact that he wasn't in the middle of burning a, a two sticks together, you know, one of those things, um, probably meant made it that much easier for Larry to live up to his own rules of etiquette and offer to get the guy's robe cleaned. Larry tries to make a point with his handling of the robe situation. He tells the rightly appalled dry cleaner, played by David Weisenberg, that they shouldn't resort to the same prejudice as the bigots. Of course, this point is undermined by the fact that Larry is one of the most judgmental people to ever exist. And therein lies Larry's flaw, right? Larry sees Freddie's new optometrist girlfriend, Heidi, as entitled because she drops a piece of pirate's booty at work and chooses not to pick it up. Why not set an example for Heidi the way that Larry encourages the dry cleaner to do for K-Man Joe? The answer is, of course, moot because none of this is reasonable. But it does open up an interesting discussion on practicing what you preach especially when the circumstances are less than ideal. And that's what's interesting. Even though Larry is not Jewish and he walks away from all of the religious aspects of Judaism, he still imbibes what essentially is an incredibly Jewish value. 
He still goes to Temple. He still get res- blowing on the shofar. There's this whole thing about how he can't blow on the shofar, which is the horn we talked about. It goes. So it's like that's the and that's what I related to the irony of walking away from these 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 things that are supposed to make me Jewish only to find myself in situations that are very Jewish in themselves. I go to Israel every year because my wife is Israeli. She's very religious Jew. I used to work in a synagogue for a rabbi. Um, I you know, just like all these sort of things in my life that have sort of I find myself having Shabbat dinners. I find myself you know, lighting Hanukkah candles. Why? Because my children are Jewish and we're raising them Jewish. I'm doing all of these things that I thought I would walk away from. And yet, at the same time, I'm still doing them because even though I may not religiously believe that I'm a Jew, I'm still a Jew. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just sort of weird how you truly are always a Jew, even if you don't want to do Jewish things, I should say. You know what I mean? And that's what I found interesting about this episode. That's the biggest, that's the big takeaway here. That, that you know, uh, that, that these, that even though Larry is not, you know, a practicing Jew, that his beliefs are very Jewish, that he's Jewish whether he likes it or not. And that's why we don't have to be religious to be Jewish. We're still Jewish, no matter what happens. You know what I mean? Um, And if it was World War II, we would be Jewish no matter what happens. In the same way that even if you were only an eighth black and you were in, or whatever, like a third black and you lived in the South, you know, before the year 1865 or whatever, you know what that means. You know, so it doesn't matter how much you are not because the little bit that you are will always trump that. It will always be the all encompassing, you know, sort of representation of your identity, whether you like it or not. So you might as well acknowledge its existence. And that's what I do. I acknowledge what I am. You know what I mean? Um, so then. Let me see here. So as much as that jibes. Oh, my God, I lost my place. Less than ideal. Not not that that's the real objective here. Larry often finds himself having to back up or eat his words. Part of the fun of watching the show is waiting for those chickens to come home to roost. No good deed or even intent goes unpunished on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Favors snowball all the time, just as they do in the watermelon. Lies told to save face, that's what it is. It's always about saving face. Or someone's feelings almost always create bigger problems that, uh, than they solve. So what's the point of being nice to anyone? And what's interesting, too, is on the, the, the reverse end is that, you know, it, everything sort of always, everything always cascades. You know, as much as that jibes with Larry's general philosophy, he is, as we've discussed a few times this season, generally prepared to fulfill a favor, however grudgingly he might agree to it. So true. Even if Larry doesn't want to do a thing, he'll still do the thing. Um, so, and so, you know, he goes, 
he goes to High Holy Days. You know, uh, he gets the, the, the shofar. And as in, in return, because he spills coffee on the, the hood, the, the robe, he has Susie, who did the thing for the synagogue, he has Susie return the favor by making this robe for this K-man. And of course, Susie puts a Star of David on the back and causes him to get his ass beat, um, uh, K-Man Joe. And then what does K-Man Joe do? He comes to Larry's house late at night, ready to beat up Larry. And what does Larry do? Larry produces the shofar that he begrudgingly didn't want to take from the, um, from the rabbi and manages to blow on it for the first time ever and is able to successfully uh, scare off the K-Man. So he, I, by, through sheer irony of not wanting to be a Jew, it's in fact his embracing of his Jewishness that saves his bacon. You know what I mean? And that's ultimately what's really interesting. Uh, Curve has broken down the particulars of favors before, but Larry and Susie's exchange about the the K-robe is one of the funniest moments of the show. Maybe I'll make a clip of it in the morning to insert here. The way the light goes from Susie's face as she understands what's being asked of her. How could Larry misuse her gifts this way? She does. I love that. This this reviewer really understood the episode. She does get the last laugh as Klansman Joe. Oh, I said it gets his ass kicked at one of his big hate rallies when his fellow Jewish bigots assume that the Star of David that Susie stitched onto his clan robe makes him Jewish, which is kind of crazy in and of itself. And then, you know, and then we go to the... Let me see if I can find it here. Colander.com. No, it doesn't... So, then the other thing thing the other the other flip side of that too is they go they go leon and larry go to a store they go to buy a watermelon and you know leon is really scared to sort of put the watermelon you know on the on the on the checkout counter and larry makes this i mean just absolutely ridiculous uh sort of speech about how you know uh in embracing you know, stereotypes that are linked to some sort of, you know, uh, kernel of truth. And it's just, and, you know, he does it in a way where he doesn't just make it about, uh, he doesn't just make it about a black person wanting to eat a watermelon. He also, you know, acknowledges that he loves gefilte fish and that he's going to eat it with a smear of cream cheese, which, again, you know, going back to this notion of being a Jew and not being a religious Jew, but being a secular Jew. And yet somewhere in my blood is this delicious sort of like taste for gefilte fish. I love it. Gefilte fish is disgusting. It's like, it's basically like fish cake. That's what it is. It's like, it's like fish meatloaf. That's literally what without ketchup. That's what, that's what gefilte fish is. You know, you eat it with a little bit of horseradish on matzah. Mwah! That is del- that is delicious, by the way. Delicious. My wife makes it really well. Makes it really good. But, but the point is, is that, you know, 
even though we aren't these things, we still are connected to these things in some way, shape or form, whether we're ashamed of them or not, or whatever may be the case. And I thought this episode did a wonderful job of embracing those things and everything that was said about tolerance, you know, or like this, this not like this sort of like notion of, of tolerance and turning the other cheek that even though that, that this thing is an, this robe is an instrument of hate that Larry still finds that because he is who he is, that he has to live by this code um, and do these things for people, even if they are terrible people. And, you know, there's this whole exchange on the, you know, the, the, the racist guy calls him a Jew and he calls him a racist cocksucker. It's great, man. It's really, really great. It, it just absolutely one of the finest episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else to say about it, to be honest. I feel like I kind of butchered. What's up, Chris? Chris is in the comments saying hello to everybody. Um, yeah, he wants to get his dad the pot. His dad pot. Right, right, right. He, his, he wants to get his dad high. Um, it's a great episode. I highly suggest you check it out. And maybe you'll see some of the the, the themes that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about here. And like I said, I, I was just so blown away by the notion that, you know, um, it's the embracing of of his background culture identity that ends up saving him, even though he doesn't embrace it. You know, I don't know. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. In any case, we got shows all this week. We got it. Oh, my God. Spider-Man trailer just dropped. And I don't usually do trailer breakdowns, but I think we'd have to do a trailer breakdown on that thing. I mean, it looks so sick, man. I'm, I'm really I'm thinking that's probably what's going to have to go down. Um, we also have streaming evil live tomorrow night. Russell casualties coming on. We're going to be interpret interpret in the can't talk. We're going to be interpreting Glenn Danzig lyrics. And then Thursday, we have Sinful Celluloid with Christopher J. Jimenez. Christopher M. Jimenez, I should say. Talk about Conan the Barbarian. Um, this is going to be a fun week. Yeah, exactly. He is. Larry is both the Jew and the Gentile. In a way. In a way, I mean, he's not. He's just an Amer he's just an American Jew. I he's just he's my kind of Jew. That's why he's the Moses of us of of my people. You know what I mean? Like we are, you know. And it's not just like I said, Larry's Torah. You know, that's the other thing too. I should I, I'll, I'll end with this point. Larry's Torah. I should I totally forgot to write this down. I should have written this down. Larry has his own Torah, and these things are in that Torah, and that's what. That is his own like sort of brand of Judaism as well. Like this notion of like, you know, sort of treating this man like any other man, even though he's a bad man. Like, I don't know. It's just the, the tenets of, of his sort of commandments. I don't know. <laughs> um, Chris wants us to know that Danny Trejo will be doing a live interview next Monday on another channel. What channel is that? I don't know what channel. Thank you, Rue, for <laughs> for watching me attempt 
attempt to break all this stuff down. Not sure if I got my point across, but I, I sure tried my best. All right, guys, you know how we say goodbye here. We say peace and hair grease. See you tomorrow.